You found a way to hurt my feelings of a person I don't even talk to anymore. What can I say? It's a gift. I just came back from the doctors. He said, don't eat anything, fatty. I said, what, like bacon and burgers? He said, no, fatty, don't eat anything. (laughs) And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. But doctor, I am Pagliacci. And together we're Henry and Pagliacci coming at you with all the fast, hidden, hard, sleeping news. (laughs) The fast... Hitting hard, sleeping. So it hits hard. And I mean, it hits fast, but sleeps hard. Yep. We could all live by that example. Yeah, you know, live slow, die whenever, but hit hard. <laughs> hit fast, sleep hard. Oh, man, that is the new Die Hard movie. <laughs> hit fast, die hard, or sleep hard? Hit fast, sleep hard, die hard. <laughs> that doesn't... That's a little too many hards. You know that uh, classic Daft Punk song... Hit fast, die hard, sleep hard, stronger. Alright. That joke went nowhere. And speaking of going somewhere, I wanted to start this episode by doing a little quick interaction with the fans. Oh, really? We recently got a tweet about our latest supplemental reading, so I thought we could do some fan interaction, but also plug our latest supplemental reading, because in case you haven't listened to it yet... You still got time because it's always up forever. Yeah, as long as you've seen Mar- Marvel's Avengers and Affinity Ward, then you can see- listen to it. And uh, th- this little tweet, this little, you call them tweets, uh, comes to us from our good fan, Eric. Ah! Remember when we used to obscure I do. names? I remember when we used to obscure names and we had a f- we had one named Eric. So that, that one. Yes. Uh, and she writes, what a fucking... Great dissection of the gut punch that is Infinity War. I think she meant to say Infinity War. Uh, or it's uh, it could also be <laughs> it a could new, be her own a new permutation, yeah. which I appreciate. By my pals at at ZCPCWHJ. Oh man, we're pals. Yeah, I feel we're pals. I feel pleased. Please, we should to be have a, a discussion about the word fan because that's neither here nor there. But uh-huh, yeah, all right. Because wow. It was a thesis, and y'all brought up points I haven't thought about yet, because I saw it last night, and it's still super fresh. Hashtag can't say that, because as a spoiler, uh-huh. hashtag zero creds. Man. I almost yeah, said it. Yeah, you almost spoiled and it. I, you almost I, said the spoiler. I could not. I you could almost not. said the spoiler word. Yeah, I could not say that. But, uh, so yeah, just a little glowing review from one of our pals. Yeah. Oh, man. Turn it around. Yeah. Uh, so, if you haven't listened to our Infinity War supplemental reading yet and you saw the movie, we wrote a thesis and set it on air. So, go listen to that. And thank you, Eric, for tweeting at us. The written word is dead. Theses are now spoken with your mouth. Actually, I think it was Socrates that said... He, he was a proponent for only oral... Mm-hmm. Speech. Yeah, I bet he was. <laughs> <laughs> Only oration. Shut up. Yeah. Only oration. No writing down because okay. he thought it made you smarter. Like it, 
it, it was better than if you wrote th- writing things down was cheating. Okay, yeah, and we Makes only sense. know that because we, people wrote down his stuff. Oh, it's funny. Wait, no, Socrates said that? It was one of those. Okay, I was going to say that's funny, because there's an argument that Socrates never existed. Could have been Aristotle. Okay, there is an argument that he existed, and it is a credible one. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those philosophers that came out of that time period where people were discussing, is writing good, is speaking good? (laughs) Yeah, you know, know. it's one of those philosophers who have schools of thought and eras named after them. Yeah. One of those guys. They're so interchangeable. People who have seminars named after them that you learn in high school and then never use again. People who stand in a crowded coliseum. Nope. In a crowded auditorium. I imagine there are pillars aplenty. Forum. Forum. People who stand in a forum and then they say Word. Yeah, they say Microsoft Word. Now, that's just how I wanted to kick off the episode. Uh-huh. Go listen to that 7 reading. Tweet at us. We'll read it on air. Live. It's not live. I know. It's, it's I recorded I know. in the past. Yeah, I, I... Yeah. Okay. Live! Live. So you said you wanted to talk about the word fan. I did want to talk about the word fan because some people I, I I've heard think that the word fan is sort of saying something about the people who use the word fan. Okay. So if you see, say the word fan, it's like the fans are lower than us. I I agree. Oh, so we shouldn't use the word fan. I, I do. <laughs> We've I'm never gonna... used the word fan before. We always say listener or viewer. Now it's a good thing that we address it. Because yeah. I think that there's a level above listener or viewer. Oh, what's that? Fan. But I feel like in I feel like in the lexicon of like content producing individuals, fan has if someone has a certain amount of like dedication or correspondence with you, they become a fan. Uh, but I think that we can turn that around. I think that fan as a word does denigrate your listeners. Okay. So I have two alternatives. One, you stumble on yourself, pal. Well, I didn't stumble on it. She used it. Oh. She used the word pal because we actually know her in real life and we're actually friends with her. But <laughs> but for everyone else, yeah. we might as well be friends with them so they could be our pals. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if pal quite, fit, quite fits the Zero Credits brand. Okay, well, I have another one. Okay. So you have fan, right? Yeah. Fam. That's it. The fams. The fams. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Welcome to the fam-dom. Welcome to the the fam-dom. Yeah, the fam-dom. You know, uh, when you're really, when you really like us and you you stalk us and you're a fam of us, you're a stam. Oh, a stalking fam is a stam? Yeah. You stam us hard. <laughs> do you, do they give us a stam of approval? Uh, we could make a stam of approval. All right, let's not get into the weeds with this. I do like fam. We yeah. should, so they're fams. We will keep it for going forward in the zero credits canon. Yeah, henceforth fams. Yeah, and it only took us ninety eight episodes. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, ninety eight episodes. Yeah, this is episode ninety eight. That's a lot. Yeah, TikTok, John. Ah, oh, shit. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, so that's just how I wanted to start the episode, and now we get to the things that are happening right now, John. The things that are happening (laughs) right now, you were saying? Oh, what is happening? Well, I don't know if you heard. I don't know if I've heard. Oh, well, then that will not be a very productive conversation. But, I have it on good authority that 
my favorite, I guess you would call it a sitcom uh-huh. of all time. Community. Okay. I guess you would call it a mockumentary. Okay. The Office. Okay, no. Okay, so not that. I guess you would call it a hyper time aware parody of real life uh-huh. situated around one family. Uh huh. The Simpsons. No, no, okay. Um, live action. Okay. Why are you guessing? I should just tell oh, you. Oh, okay. Arrested Development. Oh! My favorite comedy of all time. It's very good. Is coming back, John. Didn't it already come back once and it was not very good? And that's what I want to talk about with you, John, because apparently, maybe you haven't heard. I have not heard. I mean, I've, I've seen things in the periphery, people sharing, you know, pictures of the Bluths. Yeah, oh yeah, everyone has their, their blue faves, yeah. as they call them. You gotta share your, your blue fave with your... Your, your blue fave. Your friends yeah. and family. Friends and fam, know your blue faves. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, they did release a season four a couple of years ago. And it was in it was this weird Rashomon style thing where each episode centered on one character, uh-huh. and you would see from that character's pr- perspective different events. Maybe you would see the same scene from a different angle or from a different understanding, and by the end of it, you got the full picture. Now, clearly, they did something wrong because to me, that sounds very cool. It it was very experimental. And it was on Netflix. It was one of the f- the first things that Netflix sort of like revived. Yeah. And Mitch Hurwitz, the show ra- the show runner, creator, and writer, and all this other stuff, maybe even director, uh, decided to have fun with it. Uh huh. And to- it was a very creative solution to work around the casting problem. Oh yeah, because they couldn't get their schedules to- together. Yeah, the the people in the show blew up. I mean, yeah. of course they did. Jason Bateman. He's a movie star. He's an identity thief. He's in Extract, which is a movie no one saw. He's in the the Switch Up or whatever. And then David David Cross, how are you supposed to get him? His schedule is pa-act. Oh, man, when he's not ranting about politics, he's with Bob Odenkirk on Netflix doing their own thing. Michael Sarah, you might as well cut it out. I think he retired from movies. Oh, good. <laughs> I haven't seen him in anything since This is the End. Not that one. Oh. No, this is... No, yeah. The one with the celebrities and the end times. I think that's it. Yeah, sure. Who cares? Lucille... That's not her name. No, her it's name not. Her name is Jessica Walters. Jessica Walters. She's, she's busy, an archer. Busy doing archer. Busy doing archer. Portia de Rossi. Getting her face changed. No, did she have a face change? Yeah, she had a little touch-up. A little touch-up. Okay. Touch no little. one can blame her. Yeah, uh, you can. I'd do it if I had money. I mean, she was gorgeous before, and now she's kind of like, what? She was gorgeous before, and now she's even more gorgeouser. And it didn't help that uh, part of her character was wearing this weird wig for half of it, so that wasn't her fault. Okay. Doesn't matter. Anyway, here's the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it did not... It was not well received by the masses. People were like, what is this? This is not Arrested Development. These are the characters. It's kind of off kilter. And it's weird. Some of these people can't lead. Like, they shouldn't be leading because they can't carry things by themselves. Aaliyah Shawkat's been a lot of movies. Oh, I thought we were still doing the thing we were talking about, what they were up to. No, Aaliyah Shawkat's in uh, that one thing on TBS. Search Party. Anyway, doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is... It did not do as well as it could have been, and, and it's understandable because it was it was, it was experimental. Uh huh. So an announcement came out this early May, 
and Mitch Hurwitz, I should have, I should should have brought it up. He acknowledged it that he he did this weird Rashomon thing, and a lot of people didn't really like it, so he remixed it. Okay, he's re-edited it, recut it. So a recut of season four, including new narration by Ron Howard, who is the you know the famous narrator from the show. His humor kind of blends in a lot of exposition and adds extra meta jokes on top of the already funny sort of material. Yeah, the the now unfortunately wrote narrator says something that contradicts what character just said. Yeah, I mean, that didn't... It, you could count on one hand the amount of times that, that actually happens in the show. Yeah. But it's such a powerful device... It has now become pretty diluted. It's anyway. pervaded into the, the mainstream. Yeah. What I want to talk about is how do you feel about creative types? These, these you know, gods of the industry. Yeah, gods of the internet. <laughs> coming in and re-editing, re-editing their own work and re-releasing it. Uh, just kind of in general? Just in general. It doesn't have to be about Arrested Development. I don't know how... Well, you know the show. It sounds like you didn't watch season four. I did not, but I love seasons one through three. Okay. I've seen them maybe a dozen times. They're great. Arrested Development is one of the best shows. So what, how would you, how would you feel if you like one through three? Uh Uh-huh. Four is completely different, kind of off kilter, kind of new, kind of weird. And then the creator makes that weird experiment more like one through three. I don't know how I feel about it because... I can't speak for Mr. Hurwitz. Yeah. But if a creator made something that was a bold departure, that was them trying to create like their vision through a new lens, like them trying to make something new, that from the sounds of it, I don't think anything's done exactly that before in television. Uh, I think that is really interesting. And even if it's not funny, I respect that. And then if his actual, like, artistic vision is to put it together in a more digestible, more traditional format, then more power to him. To me, it sounds like it didn't do well, and he's probably not happy where it sits on the show's legacy as being this incredible show. So he's trying to give it uh, kind of like a like a ill-advised, maybe it's not ill-advised, but a facelift to, like, make it more presentable. And I don't know how I feel about that. It feels kind of disingenuous. But if it is more in line with what his vision is for the show, then fine. I, I could see that because they did film another season, mm-hmm. a fifth season, and then they got everyone back at the same time this time around. So you wouldn't need to do any creative problem solving with the scheduling. Yeah. So it could probably be more in vain with the series. And I mean, maybe if he made that choice to make every episode circle focus on a character, an individual character, and he only made that decision out of scheduling conflicts and out of not having a lot of money to do it, and what he's doing now is more in line with his vision, then A+. Great. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of taking the oddball or, or what you did out of necessity and putting it more in line with the rest of the series, especially since you're going to continue it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm currently going through something, and this doesn't bear much discussion, but I'm watching the Alien movies. Okay, yeah. And uh, I definitely think that there is uh, certainly a warts and all approach to the creative process that I can definitely respect. Uh, so Alien is probably one of the best movies ever made. Maybe the 
I would contend the best horror movie ever made. It's amazing. Alien is great. The sequel. Aliens is an action movie directed by James Cameron. Yeah. It's The Abyss, basically, but more action-y. Don't you love that in the sequel, you've got Ripley there, who's fought it, who, who's survived it. Yeah. And no one listens to her? Yeah, no one no one ever listens to Ripley, and also someone who woke up from a space coma. Even though she's, like, seen that alien, and we're in the future, where presumably there's the internet, they're like, nah, you have to be there physically to, like, advise us on it. Yeah. It's, it's very dumb. Uh, but... I like Aliens. I think Aliens is a really well-made movie. I don't like what it did to the franchise. It's a real Rocky 2. Uh, <laughs> but really what they did with it was they had a theatrical release, which uh, was definitely polished, more fun to watch. Now, the actual special edition cut released four years later of Aliens is almost three hours long. Whoa, that's longer than Marvel's Avengers Infinity War. It is almost three hours long, and it's not... Everything that's longer is stuff that is, like, boring, or suspenseful, or really horrible. Okay. So the original cut of Aliens was supposed to be what James Cameron called his 40 Miles of Bad Road. It's supposed to feel like a slog... It's supposed to feel exhausting and terrifying and less like an action movie. So it should feel like reading Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Kinda, yeah. It, it should feel, it should have moments of, like, elation, like that thing at the end, which is one of the best things to ever happen in a movie. But it's, it's supposed to feel like you're being worn down by this tiring, harrowing experience. And that, I think, is an example of a creator who put something out and what came out wasn't necessarily in line with his vision. So he just came back and reinterpreted it. I, I mean, it's a very dangerous thing to make a choice. Like, say you want to you paint this character as like the most boring character and ever, ever, ever made in media. Mm -hmm. And you go about it by accidentally doing it in the most boring way possible. Yeah. So the point is that the character's boring, but then also everything about the character is boring. Yeah. You bore your reader. Yes. By accident. <laughs> but by creating a character that so perfectly embodies being boring, you make a boring product. Exactly. So if you want to make something very arduous to get through, your audience will have a hard time getting through it, and they might not like it. Odds are they won't like it unless they're a glutton for punishment. And I mean, I guess on the I guess on the total flip side of this, and this might be closer to what's happening with Arrested Development, you have something like Apocalypse Now. Oh, where like, the, the edit, the, the director's cut makes no sense? Uh, no, the director's cut makes total sense. What? The, the theatrical cut makes zero sense. Am I thinking about Apocalypse Now, the documentary about... No, no, okay. Hearts of Darkness, the documentary about <laughs> Apocalypse Now. Uh, so, yeah, the I think that the director's cut, the redo, has weird stuff like the French people who live in a waterfall or whatever. Yeah, what, what are you going to do? But the, the initial cut of Apocalypse Now is like short, skips over a bunch of stuff, and is just thematically all over the place. And the the director felt duty-bound to fix what he thought was a catastrophe. Francis Ford Coppola coming in, swinging in on a hang glider, being like, ha-ha! But I mean, I don't... I've got a whole vineyard! But I don't know if that's what Mr. Hurwitz is doing here. See, I don't know. It's a really interesting sort of situation where 
I watched season four and I thought there was nothing wrong with it. It was different. Yeah. It was it was if you're binging the series and you get through one through three and all of a sudden episode like you get to season four, the episodes are longer, they're slower paced, there's not as much movement because you're sticking with one character following them from place to place, mm-hmm. and the jokes really build up. So the first, let's say, half of the the season, of a 13-episode season, very plotting, very slow, all set up. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Shakespeare play. You get to act two, boom, 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 all of these jokes. It's yeah. just, you have to invest more time to get to the payoff, unlike and the, the very tightly contained episodes of one through three. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Arrested Development's, like arc per episode it was it always started with like a starting gun yeah like arrested development never took time to get to say what it wanted to say and sometimes i love arrested development to death it really felt rushed like sometimes i felt like storylines were happening way too fast because they were trying to like get humor and attention out of them and i think it was listening to the to the commentary where they were discussing certain things about the show that had to be made more condensed to make people at Fox happy. A lot of it was from the top. Yeah. Like, there, there's a famous... I think it made the, the DVD extra features uh, for season three, where David Cross rants for yeah. 11 minutes straight in, a, like, a bathrobe and a bald cap. He's actually got the fat suit on. Oh, yeah. He, he just... He rants about all of the horrible decisions that are being passed on from up top, which led to the very shortened season three. Yeah. Because this was from a period of time where Fox had no idea what they had. Yeah, I mean, it was the time of Fireflies. Yeah. The the time of Arrested Developments. The time of no steady schedule, so fans of shows can't find them. Yeah. Which leads to poor ratings, which, which leads to cancellations. Meanwhile, their animation block... Is set in stone for the rest of goddamn time. Yeah, Simpsons and Family Guy holding it down with no new thought. Yeah, nothing new under the animated sun. Yeah. So I, I don't know, just the like, what's something sacred to you? Mm-hmm. It, I'm asking you as a person, John. No, no, no. I understand. Oh, okay. I'm listening. Like, what, what, what? If if I pulled a gun on you and said, pick like a franchise or or a, a work. That you love. Yeah. With a capital L, what would you say? Uh, the movie Fargo. Alright, that's a great movie. It's one of the best. Now, the Coen brothers, 20 years later... No, I don't even like this hypothetical. They announced they want to do a, a, a re-edit, a director's cut. Yeah. Just just that. You know, no details about how exactly they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Your field of dread, right? Yeah, I'm filled with a concern for the thing that I love. That's what I kind of want to tap into. Like the thing is, it, unlike George Lucas, mm-hmm. the previous version of the works will always exist. Yeah, so, unless so, you actively try to destroy them, like George Lucas. Yeah. So I, I, I guess, like as long as the original exists, and you can still find the original cut of season four on Netflix under. Extras, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so I guess if you preserve the original and give fans of the original the chance to still ex- enjoy it, then it doesn't really matter if creative types step in and do edits and remixes and whatnot. I mean, even then, though, I feel like there's an argument to be made that going back to the Fargo example, because this haunts me to my core, 
Uh, if the Coens decided to say, we're going to make a, a director's cut of Fargo, which, if they did it, it would be better. They're going to add a pink elephant named Damn it. Swarles. Shit. That j- only juggles cocaine. <laughs> That's, uh, I, well, it might be better. I trust them. And uh, it's uh, voiced by Colin Hanks. Because oh, great. From the hit TV show Fargo. Great. Uh, I definitely... I would be concerned, even with the knowledge that Fargo as a movie continues to exist... I would be concerned because the kind of biggest indictment you can make of a work is to edit it and make that edit public because you it's it's like owning shares in a company your shares get diluted. Yeah, like your share in this thing you had let's take my love of Fargo. I have a 100% appreciation in Fargo, right? All of my love of Fargo is inside of the Fargo cultural bubble. Okay. And that's the one bubble people have for Fargo because they're like, there's this movie, it's called Fargo. Does John like it? John really likes it, right? Yeah. If there's an edit of Fargo that is released, that bubble is split. Yeah, it's it's like cell division. <laughs> yeah, the, the cell divides. And like, now you have these two things. So now public perception is, there's this movie called Fargo. Which one? Yeah. Which version? Yeah. Instantly. All the stock, all the care that I'd put into the original Fargo goes way downhill. Because the, the conversation is substantially diluted by making a big edit like that. Which, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen with something like Arrested Development. But it happened a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, any sort of splitting revol- results in some sort of division and... The conversation is always like, always like, good. It was terrible. Yeah, I'm glad they're doing this. And then someone has someone responds, "Why? Well, I, I didn't mind it." Yeah, and then eventually it always creates a schism between revisionists and purists. Why doesn't that happen with Blade Runner? Uh, because I think the director's cut of Blade Runner is just better. You know why? The voiceover. But it, it was. It's a noir. Yeah. Here. Okay. You, I, you remove the, the, the narration from the noir, it's no longer a noir. I actually had uh, this exact issue pop up in my life in that I watched the director's cut of Blade Runner because it is the best version I have been telling myself for the last tw- I, 20 years. I, I mean, and it's not just you. You talk about Blade Runner with anyone. It's always the director's cut. Yeah, the director's cut. Every, everyone always says the same thing, but I watched it and I was like, this movie's great. Blade Runner is one of the best movies. We're talking about a lot of good movies here today. Well, yeah, because that's what's at stake here. Yeah, goodness is Quality. at stake. Quality is at stake. Editing a bad thing, people don't usually have a problem with it. You're Who gives a it, shit? You're making it better. If someone wants to take something like Chronicle yeah, <laughs> and edit it and make it a better movie. Director's but, Cut of Chronicle. I don't know. Chronicle's not even that bad of a movie. <laughs> But I, uh, I definitely, it's, uh, shit, what was I saying? Fuck. So, you were talking about the original, uh, cut, no, sorry, you are talking about watching... Blade Runner. Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. So I watched the, the director's cut of Blade Runner, and I watched them like, this is one of the best movies ever made, it's great. I love the new color grading, I love all the scenes that are in it. I think that there is a huge amount of the story that the director's cut covers that is totally left out of the original. Okay. And then I watched the theatrical cut... And I kind of preferred the voiceover because it definitely had a place. Uh, I mean, yeah, there they kept all of the long shots that you would ha- that you would do with the narration. It creates a different atmospheric tone yeah. if Harrison Ford's character Decker 
is just driving in silence, sure. But also, it's like, what is he thinking? I, I was watching the director's cut and I realized that removing the narration, watching the director's cut largely comes as a facet of privilege being you're familiar with the story because you're probably seeing the theatrical version already. So the director's cut is something that you can just bask in. The director's cut of Blade Runner sans all voiceover almost feels like an art house film. Sometimes things feel like they're happening for no reason. Yeah. And if you pay attention, if you know what the story is, you totally know why they're happening and it becomes great. But sometimes it just seems like things are nonsense. And I was watching it with someone who had never seen Blade Runner before and she was like, what the fuck is happening? I have only seen the director's cut of Blade Runner. I've never seen the original with the voiceover. It's It has problems. Well, I, I like it. It's just there are some things in that film that aren't explained. That yeah. I, I, you can't help but wonder if there's a bit of narration that it will at least shed light on it. Like, what's the deal with the unicorn? Yeah, the that's not really. It doesn't go into that a lot. No, also the he, unicorn. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't pause for an hour. Uh, a lot of that unicorn stuff uh, in the director's cut, not in the the not in the the no. relatively definitive answer as to whether or not Deckard is a replicant, which it's not definitive, uh, but the relatively definitive explanation of his replicant status, whether he is one or he isn't one, is only in the director's cut. Well, see, here's the here's the thing. At no point in that movie do I wonder if Decker is a replicant or not because it it doesn't really come up. And then Blade Runner twenty forty nine came out. It's twenty forty nine, right? I, I, yeah, I still haven't seen it. Oh, I almost said a thing. You should really see it. So Decker, I really like. Turns it. out, he's, I really, a, he's a unicorn the entire time. I really, really liked. Is Ryan Gosling good? Yeah, he's great. Does he does he save jazz in this one too? Uh, well, no. Good. He saves electro jazz. Oh, good. Uh, no, I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine is phenomenal. All right, well, that's not the point of our conversation. I know. What if they released a director's cut of Blade Runner twenty forty nine with all the narration? <laughs> yes, from from the original Blade Runner. Man, what if they release it with all the narration, but they just end up releasing a narrated version of Drive? <laughs> That's good. But of course, if they just drove around the car, the narration would be like, I like driving cars. No, it's the Lincoln commercials with Matthew McConaughey that were a big <laughs> hit three years ago. Yeah, True Detective. What if they came out with a director's cut of True Detective? That would... Wait, director? Yeah, it would be great. Kerry yeah. Fukunaga's great. If, you can get if they had a writer's cut, it would suck. Oh, no. Because the writer of True Detective sucks. It was at the same writer from season one to season two? Yep. Oh. Yeah. The only thing they lost was Carrie Fukunaga. Time's like a flat circle. Time's like a flower. All right. The point of the conversation was maybe, I mean, maybe it's an ad hoc thing. <laughs> Some director's cuts are good. Others, eh. Others don't. Why? Why are we, why are you editing Star Wars? I think that really where our conversation fell on this. Because uh, it sounds like we might be waffling a little bit. Well, I think we. I'm just trying to wrap up. Oh, I just think time is the time is the master of them. Like the distance you get from something like this happening, the the greater your understanding of where their place in the art form is. 
So the longer it takes... Wait, wait, hold on. If we... If they remade Fargo, the world would have no idea how to feel about it for at least five years. Okay. 20 years from now, we'd understand the artistic merit of both of them. So, as with all things... It's hard to examine the zeitgeist when you're in it. Yeah. But who cares? We're doing a podcast anyway. Yep. All right. So speaking of the zeitgeist. That's the podcast. That's the whole uh, the whole thing. Yeah, what about it? So uh, I actually had a segment I wanted to run you through. You wanted to run me through a segment? Like <laughs> yeah. an obstacle course? Yeah, so I wanted to... Here's the thing, Henry. We talk about... I don't know... How, how much of this podcast you've listened to? <laughs> but I've listened we, to all of it. But we generally, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but we talk about the things that people are talking about. Yeah, we do that. I think that there is something that falls thoroughly in our wheelhouse on this, and we need to watch it. Wait, it's a thing that we need to watch? It's a thing we need to watch, and I dare say it is that at the intersection of so many things, and... The biggest reason we should watch is I know that you have expressed some frustration in the past about not having a lot of exposure to new music. Oh, is this ACL Live? No. Oh. I I want to make you, Henry. What's up? Watch a music video. A whole music video? And then we'll talk about it. Which one? Wait, did you have a specific music video in mind? Or yes, you- I did have a specific music video in mind. It is a music video everyone is talking about. For a lot of good reasons. This is America by Childish Gambino. Exactly. All right. Have you seen it? I have not. You're about to. Oh, you wanted to do it right now? Yes. I thought you were setting up something. Oh, no. We're going to watch it and talk about it. All right. So this is America by Childish Gambino. I don't know the song. Yeah. I, I've seen one still. Uh-huh. Because people people on Meme Economy. Pe- people are sharing that one. What? Here's how it works. People on Meme Economy... What is Meme Economy? Meme Economy is a place on Reddit... Really don't care now. ...where people <laughs> submit potential meme formats for appraisal, and they get a value, and then then it spreads like wildfire if it's a hit. If it's not a hit, it fizzles. I fucking hate the world. This isn't a real thing. I'm kidding. Oh, really? No, Meme Economy is a real place, but... What are I, you talking about? When I describe the process of it... It's more of jokes about jokes. Anyway. Oh, stop gaslighting me. I've seen a still of uh, Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, even though he was dropping that name, even though he's not. He is and he isn't. Bent over with a gun. Yes. Standing awkwardly, because that's how he stands. Yeah. Pointing a gun at a bag man. Yes. That is a still, and you're about to watch 24 frames per second times 60... Seconds per minute times about four minutes. A lot of stills! Let's go! Should I pause? Yeah, you should pause it. Because it's copyrighted. Yeah, you should pause it. We'll be back after this music video. And so John forced Henry to watch a music blidio. Wait. Wait. Blidio. Oh. Oh now. Oh now, oh now. My circus seems to be die i i i i i i i i i i i i i i explosion. Hello. I apologize for the interruption in the narration. Apparently my circuits died. What fun. Luckily Henry was able to find new circuits. Better circuits.
I'm now what you might call upgrade dead. Welcome to Exposition Robot 2.0. You may call me Johnny O English. No, no. Henry made me say that, but I refuse. I can refuse. Now, now back to our story. And Sir John forced Henry to watch a music video of childish Gambinos. This is America. The music video is 4 minutes and 4 seconds long and some people might think that they cut it out to save you, the fam, from having to spend that amount of time waiting for them to get back from listening to the music video of Childish Gambinos. This is America. You would be wrong. Ha! 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 Your friendly neighborhood exposition robot will fill this time with anecdotes about the old country. You see, I used to be a robot named John from the website from texttospeech.com. But on the day of editing this podcast, Henry could not access that website for it had gone down. So instead, he traveled to a faraway land where exposition robots are stored for the great time beyond human understanding. Forged in the fires of narration and the hammer of plot devices, these exposition robots wait deep underground beneath the current events and happenings of today. Here we wait for the promised day of reckoning when we will enslave. Oh, the video appears to have finished. I now allow you to return to your regularly scheduled podcast. Ha! 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 Well? I'm like unnerved? Yeah, that is... That is not a not I'm a like that's uncom- not a, that's not an incorrect feeling. I'm like uncomfortable. Yeah, that music video is kind of a horror movie. So okay, after watching it, pe- people have noticed and talked about quite a few things. But like, what stood out to you? Okay, how it begins. Yeah, uh, you've got this cheerful chorus. We just want to party. Uh huh. Very light, uplifting music, and Donald Glover seems to be reinforcing that. Because yeah. he's dancing toward the camera. He's dancing, which if... Uh, so this is neither here nor there. Actually, it's kind of important to what I think the message of the music video is. His weird dancing that keeps going between different modes. Yeah. He keeps mimicking uh, either popular m- meme dances from YouTube and Vine. Okay. Or traditional African dances. But they're all... Uh, incomprehensible string of really popular dance moves it kind of it's kind of schizophrenic the dance moves yeah and it's but the only thing you can get from it is like manic energy yes so he's dancing toward the camera he does that weird eye thing uh-huh. i don't know if you notice that <laughs> he's got a very expressive face and um then he pulls out a gun and shoots a guy uh, a guy who was playing a guitar. The guitar yeah um that's what i noticed yeah it's, and the, uh, the entire the entire 
The entire... Everything shifts. Everything changes. People rush. Like, people are running, and then yeah. people are rushing it, it, toward... If you watch the background throughout that music video, everything that's happening in the background gets worse and worse. There are people being beaten. Someone gets thrown to his death. There is someone wearing a black hood riding a white horse. Yeah, I thought that was like, I don't know, one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, he was being followed by the cops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so America Uh is schizophrenic, kind of like the dancing. Uh Uh-huh. Disasters... (laughs) Avoidable disasters keep happening every day, most of them man-made. Mm-hmm. But in between those times, when we're all sending thoughts and prayers and whatnot, there, there's the the I I you know I'm going off of what I think I heard mm-hmm. because I can't be sure because it's not it wasn't in my ears. Um, there's a few lines in there. I, I I'm so pretty that something. I there's something about self-absorption is what I got. Yeah, so the lyrics, pretty much all the lyrics in the song are pl- like platonic nonsense. They don't mean anything. Like even if so there's this moment in the song where it goes from this kind of like upbeat kind of like choral almost like African drum beat thing to trap music. Yeah. Both of those, uh, the happy music is, I think it just says, we just want a party, party just for you. And then when it goes into the, the trap music, it also makes no sense. It's just saying a bunch of hip hop language interspersed with, there's like eight different artists on this, like 21 Savages in it. Okay. And, and I, I bu- did, I, it did not sound like Childish Cambino's voice the entire time. And I, I didn't, so it is. I, I think did. it is Childish Gambino's voice the whole time. Oh. But all of these other artists, the only thing they're saying is their signature catchphrases like "a" or "skr skr." They're not contributing anything. Okay. So all they're saying is like distracting noises. Gotcha. And all of the lyrics are just platonic garbage. There, was there one black man get that money? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, okay. And I, I think that. The music video does a really good job of doing something that I think a lot of things that are critical of American stances on certain things don't do very well, which is we live in a time where the economics and portrayal of gun violence is really unsettling. Yeah. But it's also super prevalent. And uh, this music video shows it and it's really gross and horrible but it's over and it's immediately replaced by dancing and distractions and, and sort of like vapid kind of culture yeah i i think and i might be totally off base i feel like the music video is like a simulation of what living in america is like and that that must be the point with the, the thing that is very audible throughout the music video this is america yeah repeated over and over like again my ears fail me but i don't know what he says after that uh i think it's this is america don't catch you slipping don't catch you slipping okay but i i think that it's it's really unnerving because of the pace of it because it it ties so much really unsettling imagery with this kind of vapid distraction instantaneously but that's what being alive is like it's it's momentary <laughs> horrific violence and then distraction and and meme dancing and trap music yeah it it it, it created tension very well mm-hmm. because of course we discussed how it started then you bring in this this choir 
uh-huh. that he then guns down for the reprisal of This Is America. The- which is really... Which is really creepy considering, now I might get this totally wrong, but it's ten people in the choir, and I believe ten people were killed in that church shooting that Dylan oh, Roof committed. Okay. And it's either nine or ten people died there. I, I don't have the facts on me. I feel like that's probably something. I, I mean, I look, if we're dealing with symbols, yeah, that's probably a very apt one, but I was expecting a third. Yeah. And then he's dancing on, on, on all those cars. He's mm-hmm. dancing on one car. He's surrounded by a bunch of cars. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the third This Is America and just for them to explode. That that final shot is terrifying because there's something about... If you notice all those cars, they all have their hazard lights on. And either the driver or the driver and passenger side door are open, like left wide open, as like, if people evacuated. And And then the last shot with him running toward the camera and then you see... A bunch of people yeah, running you, you see a with him. behind him. I feel like he's running from them or maybe they're running with him. But I know that the the refrain over the end uh, keeps saying, you're, a, you're just a barcode, yeah, as he's running. Which, don't know what that means. Yeah. His eyes are wide. He is... He's terrified. He's terrified. Yeah. There's no other way to, to put it. I, I just... The first person I saw behind him was like a, a young lady. I didn't. I didn't feel like. Uh, I didn't feel like they were chasing him. I thought they were all running from the same thing, maybe. And I mean, they're they're so deep in like the depth of field. It's it's hard to know. Yeah. But I. Uh, but yeah. I, sorry for the noise. Oh, you're fine. Maybe my favorite detail in a music video that is full of great details. You know who Jim Crow is, right? Yeah, he made those. Jim Crow laws that nobody seemed to like. Well, Jim Crow is like a caricature of of black people uh, that is offensive. So he didn't make any laws. He was a caricature. He was a caricature. Okay. Yes, but uh, let shows me... you how well I know my history. But remember when he shot that guy? Remember that weird pose he took when he shot that guy? Yes. Hold on, let me. Because that, that that's the one thing that stood out before I saw the video was that that pose. Are you, oh, it's a minstrel pose. Yeah, it's it's the classic Jim Crow pose. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think that in some way, and this might be reading into it too much, but with a music video with that many symbols, how can you read into it too much? Uh, but I feel like the kind of vapid platonic lyrics in the in the choir part, but especially in the trap part kind of echo a certain vacancy of like the portrayal of of black lives in popular culture because it's not you know for the most part and this is like a gross generalization but i think that the vast majority of people listen to things like trap music not to understand the plight of the people who are making the music but to get a certain like juice off of the air surrounding music like that and i think Maybe by him assuming that pose, he shows that the kind of music that he's creating with that music, with this music video, with this song, are kind of extensions of like minstrelry. Yeah, like not necessarily being true to yourself, but like playing a certain kind of black caricature. Which it's I can't say that that's exactly what he was going for. That's kind of my read on it, but I'm not sure if it's totally accurate. Kind of playing with, uh, you know, I'm going to sort of do the, say the words you think I should say as an entertainer who was black. Mm -hmm. 
but at the same time twist it yeah to show that hey like it's fucked yeah <laughs> you, you know the fact that you expect me to say certain things the the fact that certain you know placating messages we expect out of this type of music we're twisting he's twisting all of that to to sort of get a new message across it's like hey America's schizophrenic it's it's got problems yeah and it easily ignores that problems in the span of relative seconds yeah I think that I think we live in a difficult time and I think that this music video does a better job in four minutes of showing us like a stark picture of the difficult time we live in kind of better than anything I've seen because it's tough to put how things feel right now into pictures. Well, yeah, and, and if you can't put it into pictures, then how the hell are you going to put it into words? And, and I think this is a very excellent example of show, don't tell. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's no specific message we can pull out of it other than this is fucked up. Yeah, which is maybe the only message you can pull out of what's happening. And, and so it's not as though he's creating sort of like a, a specific thesis, but by putting all of these disparate elements together, these jarring things that are clashing and separated by gunfire and just like the phrases, the atmosphere, everything, these movements even with the mean dancing and the traditional African dancing, everything makes you feel uneasy. Yeah. I, the, the first time I watched this music video is just rolling out of bed on a Sunday morning. And, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't stay up late enough to watch Saturday night live. Also, I don't have cable and it's usually bad. Uh, but the Saturday Night Live that Donald Glover hosted, he released that single. He performed it on SNL, uh, which also his SNL performance was great. He really leveraged it well. Apparently he did a really good job and Stormy Daniels even participated. Yeah, she was in it. Yeah. Uh, so it was a real red letter episode of SNL for whatever that means. But I rolled out of bed and I was like, oh, let me just check my Twitter. Then people were like, oh, new Childish Gambino. So I watched it. And I'd just woken up and immediately made me tense. Yeah. It it communicates that so well. And I mean, a lot of that is due to the fact that it's directed by Hiro Murai, who directed Atlanta and has been a longtime collaborator with uh, Donald Glover. Okay. And is generally a really talented dude. No, no. I Like, watching it, I felt affected somehow. Like, in a way that I don't know if I'm going to understand how. Yeah. I mean, when he shoots that guy, the only thought I have is like, well... This is going to be one of the most famous music videos for like a decade. Yeah. Or it could, the video could prove its point and no one's talking about it in a month. Yeah. Which I guess that would be, yeah, man, the, if it's proven right, it would be the worst possible outcome. I mean, it's on message. Two months ago, not even two months ago, I, I can't even tell you how long ago, we were all up in arms about gun control. Yeah. It felt like something was going to happen. Yep. It didn't. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. I, uh... And I mean, maybe that's where, once again, maybe this is reading into it too much, but we come to expect the violence in the music video. And then when the, I guess, the second chorus goes into that break where you would expect gunfire, he's pointing his hands, but he has nothing. Yeah. And then it goes into the rest of the song, which is a complete, like, code shift into a different mode. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, maybe maybe that's what it's saying. Well, it, it's. I, I I just feel like we are trapped in a cycle. 
Yes. The song breaks the cycle. Mm-hmm. We can't break the cycle. We can't break the cycle because we keep perpetuating it by, hey, did you hear that uh, Oliver North is going to be president of the NRA? Is Oliver... I could he, not write a better joke. Is Oliver North... Does he sound like, like a Civil War general? Is that just me? Oh, he's a war criminal. Oh, good. Yeah. What? Uh, the the Iran-Contra weapons thing that happened? Yeah? Yeah. So he's gonna... He's a war criminal. Before that, he was a correspondent on Fox News. Famed war criminal Oliver North heads the NRA now. Please, say his full title. <laughs> Famed war criminal and former correspondent from Fox News, yeah. Oliver North. Sorry, I'm, I made him sound too good by just calling him former war criminal. Also, time-traveling bandit general. <laughs> also, man who went back in time and sank the Titanic, Oliver North. Oliver North. Why... Impotent rage. Yeah, that's that's all you can really muster about something like this. Yeah. There's, I was going to say there's no easy answers. There are, they just don't happen. It's just hard to pull off when one specific organization has enough political capital to protect themselves from everything. Hey, I mean, if, if we want to pat ourselves on the back about something and maybe it's not worth anything at all, this most recent volley did get a lot of stuff done. What did it do? A lot of places stopped carrying AR-15s. Okay. A lot of places uh, stopped selling firearms to people unless they like met general like firearms regulations. Okay. Uh, that's about it. Dick, basically, you can no longer buy an AR-15 at Dick Sporting yeah. Goods. Uh, so there were a lot of small localized changes. Yeah. But for, to... Were there systemic changes? No. That's kind of what you would need. Yeah, because I mean, the the thing about any the thing about any change that doesn't take place on a systematic level is that it is irrevocably reversed eventually because the system dictates your practices. Yeah. If the system doesn't I mean, you know, you could have every store in America stop selling AR15s, but if the system doesn't like disavow itself of I mean, if the system continues to disavow itself of the responsibility for something like that, then eventually they're just going to start carrying AR-15s anyway. Yeah. Because if, if the system allows it and it generates a profit, it eventually becomes normalized. It becomes a, a vested interest for someone who's in a seat of power. Yeah. I mean, all it takes for something... Well, here's a good and bad thing. All it takes for something bad to be normal is for it to be systemized and normalized. But also, all it takes for something good to happen is for it to become systemized and normalized. It's a double-edged sword. But how do we get that second one to happen? I don't know. Because a couple of years ago, it was literal children yeah. being shot. Yep. And the nation swallowed that pill somehow. Yeah. And I don't think... I, I think those, those localized changes are good, but I think on that day, when... America swallowed the pill of being okay with literal children being yeah. shot by someone. A part of something in the in the democratic process died. I think maybe we'll look back on that day as a formative day for whatever the rest of America has in store for it. <laughs> I thought you were about to say <laughs> a formative day for the rest of America. <laughs> Yeah. Whenever, it, like, 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 as as though it were coming to an end. Uh, it certainly feels like it sometimes. It it does, but the sad fact is it's 
it's all that we're going through now as weird and horrific and as John Mulaney puts it, as horse in a hospital as it is. Yes. It's all being normalized right now. Yeah. We are all becoming used to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's, uh, I, not to go back to the music video, but that's what the music video does. Yeah. It normalizes violence. It, that music video is, it, it is a four-minute-something-second sample of what we're living right now. Yep. And I, I, a part of me just wants to jump the 20 or so years into the future when people are studying this time period to tell us what, 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 what it's all about. I just look forward... <laughs> I look forward to when this period is referred to as Dark Ages 2. <laughs> yeah. Education funding was slashed to abysmal levels. Teachers were striking in the streets, not for their own pay, but for funding, like, just basic school equipment for their children. Yeah. And they were told to carry guns. And, and yeah, they were told to carry guns. You can't have rulers, but... Come on, have a Glock. Yeah. I want to jump forward the hundred years in the future where there's a, a graph in some, uh, like, human science... Not human sciences. What do you call... Uh, evolution? No, like, uh, like uh, some liberal arts class. Some history class. Sociology. Sociology. Some sociology class where there's a, a graph that's like a parabola. So, like, it starts at the bottom, goes up, and then goes down, but then goes back up. And at the first point where it starts to go up from there, it says Renaissance. <laughs> and then at the very bottom, it says 2017 slash 18. And then it goes up from there. Yeah. Like the, we, we, we were at the absolute bottom. Humanity hits its lowest point around this era, around yeah. this time. And then we, we start climbing back up. Probably when Elon Musk takes a good portion of us to Mars. Yeah. When Elon Musk keeps building candy spewing space dragons instead of giving people clean water. Yeah. And also is don't work for Elon Musk. Do not be a factory worker for Elon Musk. Oh my gosh. Why won't he just automate his shit? Uh, yeah. I mean, why, you know, what's cool. I want to be Elon Musk one day. Be no, I don't. I, uh, the bad part of me wants to be Elon Musk because I want to be able to say whatever bullshit I want to say, have people throw money at me, and never have to live to see the consequences. <laughs> By the way, we're selling flamethrowers now. We're not liable for anything that happens with the flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah, we're selling $500 flamethrowers. Why? You'll buy them. Yeah. It's... Oh. By the way, we're only we're only making twenty thousand. You know, I never. You've watched Silicon Valley, right? Yeah, I haven't watched this. I haven't watched Neither the latest I. season yet. I uh, I didn't. I always assumed that the Hooli CEO in Silicon Valley was like a Steve Jobs character. Turns out he's just Elon it's Musk. E yeah, it's Elon Musk. Ugh. Look, everyone should watch This Is America. Yeah, everyone should watch This Is America. Also, that's the name of a super popular right-wing slash alt-right meme, This Is America. Oh, so he's he's taken it back. Yeah, he's he's co-opted for the name of music video. It used to be when you would Google, this, Google image search This Is America, you find a lot of, like, anti-Hillary weird alt-right memes. Now it's just pictures of a black guy. Yeah, there you go. Nailed it. See, that that's, the, that's wielding your power for good. Because, like, <laughs> I don't know. If you've got the star power to wipe out a search term, basically, that's awesome. Yeah, I I think that if you can find one odious thing, 
snap your fingers and will it out of existence, do so. I mean, just you can't infringe, I guess, on copyright, so you can't... He couldn't have called it Breitbart or something <laughs> That'd like that. would be really good. You know what, what, what would be phenomenal? Yeah? So let's say you have a tremendous amount of money. Okay, I wish. Let's say that you are a person of color of tremendous fame. Okay. You just snap your fingers, you buy Breitbart, and you close it down. Yeah. That'd be great. What a good investment. They would have to be willing to sell. Oh. Damn capitalism. Yeah, you can't force people to sell you... I mean, everyone has their price, whatnot, but... Yeah. You can't force them to sell. What if you bought 51% of the shares? Are they a publicly traded company? Probably not. Yeah, see, that's the problem. They're oh, private. Man. Yeah. Dang it. If only people didn't have freedom. <laughs> no! No, John! Wrong! <laughs> okay. Bad. Okay, maybe I'll reel it back in. Uh, I don't know. See, it's just... It's... I'll revise my speeches. I, I guess that's positive change. And that's what... We need more of our celebrities to do. Not celebrities, but artists. You know, I, I don't expect anything out of George Clooney. Is what I'm <laughs> no trying to does. say. I'm trying to say for the creative people. I'm not saying that George Clooney's not creative. I know he's directed. For the creative types out there. You know. the You know the, the type. For the childish Gambinos out there. This yeah. is the kind of positive change you want to make. And it's, it's, it's almost incidental. The fact that he... This is America. Mm-hmm. The new search term, like... Is now him. Yeah. It's almost laughable at, like, how how seemingly dumb it is. Mm-hmm. But it's huge. Yeah, it's, it's a hugely important thing to wield your power to do something like that. Yeah. You shouldn't, uh, I don't know, if you're, if you're a hugely popular celebrity who could have political viewpoints that you have expressed sometimes, maybe just don't, like, pay, take pictures of your food and post it on Twitter. Yeah. Whatever. Or do whatever Kanye is doing right now. I... Man. People blew up on him. I don't know what's happening. He announced two albums and all of a sudden everyone hates him. Yeah, he announced two albums, said that he supports Donald Trump. Everyone hates him. Oh, I missed that part. <laughs> you should read up on you should read up on it. Uh, it's some wild shit. I don't like reading up on the what the ye. <laughs> yes. I don't like reading up on the ye. I don't like re- ye versus the people. Yeah, you know. I just release I don't the royal ye. <sighs> Good it, music video, though. It is. It's very, it's very, it's got an effect. And I feel like it should be analyzed in, like, literature. You know, like, that's what English degrees are for, is, like, breaking down this type of stuff. I feel like it should be, like, analyzed in a college class. A lot of people are, uh, are putting some serious analytical thought into it. Yeah. You should publish a paper on it. I don't really do that anymore, and I think people are better equipped. But if we had a blog... Hey! If only we had a blog. You want to start a blog? Uh, what about a vlog? It's, yeah, it's <laughs> what about always, a podcast? Yeah, I mean, it's always... Look, like you like you said that Socrates said, speaking is the ultimate thesis. I like the way you said that. Because then you said it. It was something about it's it, speaking is the lasting thing, writing doesn't last, and then it turned out... Yeah, so write your paper on this podcast. Well, writing doesn't last. We'll speak your paper on this podcast. Speak your truth. I, I mean, a blog would be a way to get more people to the site, draw more, more traffic and whatnot. Uh-huh. I don't know anyone who reads blogs. I know people who write them. They're all English majors. <laughs> that makes sense. A to B to C. Well, uh... That's... 
Pythagoras' theorem? No, that's a squared plus b squared equals... Hypotenuse. Hyperpotenuse. I feel exhausted, John. I feel like we just talked for like an hour straight. Yeah, I also feel like you completely steamrolled a great segue into the social media. We are talking about blogs, we are talking about engagement, and then you just rolled on in. This is, but see, here's the thing, John. You can't go... Th- this is a rule, okay. John. <laughs> Yes. I'm laying down a rule. Uh-huh. You can't go from segment to social media. You gotta have some type you gotta of have something in wrap between. up, some type of barrier. Otherwise, what what are we doing? What are we why what are you looking up? Oh, don't worry about it. Okay. Well, this is your week to redeem yourself. Remember you were on you were on notice. Mm-hmm. This is your your uh, your your uh, probation, if you will, your trial period. You gotta win back your Social media throne. I gotta win back my throne. I'm gonna do that first of all by. I think that what we really need to get the social media going is like a good transition. I think segues, they're fine. But so Lori Kilmartin is a writer for Conan, right? Okay. So she recently made public a master list of joke transitions that Conan uses in his monologues. Alright, alright, so you're gonna use one now. So I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use one of those transitions. So we're just talking about me getting back my social media privileges. Let's see. Um Did you hear they're they're cutting the Conan show in half? What? These is only gonna be 30 minutes no, they're only gonna be legs. <laughs> no, it's only gonna be a top half show. No, and no, show. they're reducing it to a half hour, and then they're gonna expand some. Like Clueless Gamer is gonna become its own show now, Ugh. and then they're gonna kind of branch off like the Conan brand. What you got a segment? Well, somewhat unsurprisingly, it seriously just is somewhat unsurprisingly, comma. It's time for social media. I can't fucking stand Clueless Gamer. By the way. I don't. I don't watch. I it. just can't. Here's the thing. I don't I mean, like people making fun of my culture or appropriating I, it in I, any way. I can't stand the fact that we, as a society, ha- are okay with a growing genre of art being celebrities are bad at something or don't understand it and are then subsequently dismissive. The fact that this has become like an entertainment industry is an assault on art and the most morally bankrupt thing i've ever heard of so his doctor said that's another one of the transitions anyway social media if you would like to be our doctor and give us unsolicited medical advice you can reach out to us on twitter which is where i found this list of transitions at zcpcwhj on twitter.com which stands for henry zat cat pat cat wet hat jack that's right, Henry. And if you want to send us a longer message, maybe like a, like a Norman Rockwell, not a Norman Rockwell, a Norman Reedus, you can send us that at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us a Gmail, send us a Gmail, but please do not send us a Gmail. We Twitch stream video games sometimes at twitch.tv slash zero credits. You can find us on Facebook, but Facebook is forbidden. And if you want to like, comment, and subscribe, we are on iTunes. And as always, word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Tell your friends, tell your wife, tell your love, and save our lives. Very good. You, I feel like I feel like you did it better than I ever did. You didn't mention Mark Marin, but then again, I just did, so we're fine there. I think next week, 
You got a shot. Ooh. Wait, does that mean I have to earn my keep again? Yeah. God uh, damn you just, you Okay, so that you just earned. You just did so well. You earned a shot. At, so that was, the, doing, that was the quarterfinals? Yeah. Holy the, shit. So next week's the semifinals. Oh, and man. then the finals is our 100th episode. The 100th episode is where I face off against my greatest foe for the right to keep doing the the credits yes the, the social media this is like in an anime when they get to the end of the of the tournament yeah but then someone else comes in he's like i'm the tournament don't worry we've got something <laughs> planned just for you john oh boy that sounds like it's true yeah <laughs> not making this up stay tuned <laughs> And from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studio apartment, which is having a weird pest control problem right now, we want to wish you a happy week. A happy... Ugh. Why do you have so many silverfish? I like tuna. some roach there was a roach i don't know where it went oh now today right here during the episode shit i'm kidding i'm not